You're listening to the Zoe Turner Podcast, business and mindset conversations that will help you move from fear and uncertainty to development and growth so that you can crush both life and business. Please welcome your host, Zoe Turner. Got a fantastic guest for you today. Kaylee Jack is a Les Mills Global Ambassador. She's a masterclass presenter and a national educational trainer who's also very passionate about pre-post natal fitness as well as sport massage therapy. Now, she's currently living between South Africa and the United States. Her passion is bringing purpose to fitness through community and bringing people together to explore the benefits and the vitality of health and fitness. So Kaylee, welcome to the podcast today. Zoe, thank you so much for having me here. And what a beautiful sentiment. That's uh, such a lovely little paragraph you put together there. Thank you. Thank you. So Kaylee, as a way of introduction to the podcast, um, I think I explained to you before we, we, we came on air today that I started the podcast to provide a platform for the book that I'm currently writing at the moment, which is Use It or Lose It, 30 Days to Mindfulness. So in this interview, I would like to kind of pick five themes from the book and talk about them. Is that okay with you? I think that's great. Okay. So the themes that we... I'd like us to talk about is um, exercise. I thought that would be a great, For sure. great one to start <laughs> start with. So, what, and more specifically, what happens inside the body when you exercise? The second one was the power of repetition. Second, third one was food. Mm-hmm. And big one, big topic. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I know you have your own kind of opinions on diets and foods. So I'd be really interested to to hear more about that. Fourth is, uh, and third, is overcoming fear and stepping outside your comfort zone. And then rock bottom. And last but not least, gratitude. However, before we get started with all those... This is some big juicy topics. <laughs> I know. I know. All right. I'm really looking forward to chatting to you about these. But before we get started, can you take us all back? Where did your fitness journey start? What inspired you and what motivated you to get, you know, to take this yeah, path yeah. and to want to help others? That's a lovely question. I think it's a great way to kickstart this. So I'd, I was always involved in movement, in sports um, from a young age. Dancing was definitely my thing. Did it from three years old. Um, danced up to about five, six, seven times a week as I got into primary and high school. <coughs> what type of dancing? Oh, ballet, modern, contemporary, hip-hop, everything except tap dancing. There's just one thing I couldn't <laughs> one thing I couldn't quite get right. Um, but definitely a big, big fundamental uh, stage in my life and a big passion of mine, dancing. Um, and then, yeah, I got, got involved in athletics in high school. Was never really a competitor sports, field sports player. That didn't really interest me. Um, and then, all right, so here is where it gets interesting. The first year after high school, we went through quite a big, let's say a little bit of family trauma. And we'll touch on that a little bit later on one of your topics. And this is where I was led to the beauty of what fitness is able to offer us as people. And it's a, it's free. And why I say that is, so my boyfriend's mother who is now my mother-in-law 
she said to me, Kaylee, why don't you come and try a group fitness class? So I, I was interested, but at the same time, I knew that it wasn't quite my scene. I'd never done it before. The ladies that were there weren't really my age group. So I was really stepping out of my comfort zone, but I thought, what do I have to lose at this stage? And the moment that I stepped into that studio, the community of people that were there at the group fitness, um, the gym that I was um, a member at, they just became such a big fundamental step in the next part of my season in life. And the instructor at that stage, not only did she become my fitness mentor, but she became my Christian mentor. And she just took me under her wing and she helped refocus my purpose. Once I tasted the benefits of what fitness could offer me, I just, there was no looking back after that. And I thought if I could give somebody the opportunity back in life as to what this woman had given me, that's, it would make me a happy person. It was such a healthy, healthy space to be a part of. It's interesting that you, you talk about kind of exercising social, you know, in group classes and you know, another one of the sections on my book is how social interaction is good for the soul. So not only when we exercise do we release the chemicals, feel good chemicals, but when we interact socially with other people, you know, we've got other chemicals that are released, mm. oxytocin and things like that. So, you know, for many years, um, I did exercise on my own, already running, and I never really exercised in groups. And it was only when I started exercising with other people and exercising in groups is that, you know, you think, oh, my God, what have I been doing? And it was really only when I started, when I moved to Dubai. Um, so, yeah, the social interaction is part of the exercise process. I think It's, it's a really total different world, isn't it? And I think as, um, as people, we all have different spaces that we are drawn to and sometimes we go through seasons where we are more comfortable training by ourselves but in other seasons of life we need that community to be a part of and to be accountable to and as you say that social interaction um the the accountability the just that mental that refreshing vitality and connection that you get with people I think it's wonderful. Yeah, definitely. So that's what got you started on your fitness journey and you wanting to help others. Yep, that's what that's what happened. Amazing. <laughs> so let's kick this off then um, by introducing the themes that we spoke about initially. Now, what really happens inside the body kind of when you exercise? Do you think there's a connection between exercise and happiness and um, how much exercise should we do daily? Great question. So I think that all boils down to each person. We've all got a certain threshold. We all have a certain capacity. And your capacity is very different to my capacity because you're in a different season to where I am at. And the different stresses of life that I have to deal with versus what you have to deal with, again, are two different things. So I think it's really a case of, of playing with what makes you, playing around with a couple of different um daily schedules and seeing what works for you what what makes you feel refreshed not mentally or physically tired I because it's now my profession I do and I enjoy training one to three times a day and I generally take maybe two recovery days during a seven week you know seven day week um, whereas some people that have 
full day, eight to five jobs, they have children, you know, they've got a lot of other elements they're needing to focus on three times a week. It probably fits them best and they feel that like they can maintain that amount of exercise, be happy and experience the benefits and vitality that fitness gives you, you know? I really liked what you said then about um, exercising so that... I'm not sure what it was you exactly said, but exercise so that you feel refreshed rather than literally worn out. Yeah. You um, don't want it to feel like homework. It's got to, we call it the love stamp. So every, every day you wake up in the morning, you want to look forward to whatever it is that you've connected with, whether that's your personal training, whether that's outdoor fitness training, whether that's group fitness training. And it's got to be something that you so thoroughly look forward to because it's going to make you feel refreshed and as I said touch on the vitality definitely oh, that's what you said yeah the vital refreshed and, and revitalized um I can really relate to that because for many years um I did a lot of endurance sport um you know Ironmans not full half marathon runners yeah it's quite inspirational and I used to do a lot long distances that was my thing um but quite often, when I would finish training, like for many, many years, that's what I did. Like literally every weekend, like during the week I trained, but every Friday and Saturday, which is our weekend in the UAE, I'd be up at 4 a.m. on the morning doing 100k bike rides or doing a 20, 30k run. And after it, I would be lying on my sofa and I would often say to myself, I might as well have gone out last night because I feel really, really ill. And I think it was probably dehydration, looking back, and I never quite got the nutrition. And over the last couple of years, that's when I, it was my acupuncturist actually said to me, you know, and he said what you just said about exercise, um, you know, it should kind of revitalize you, it should refresh you, not completely wear you out. Um, but I'd actually got it into my mind that I hadn't, I didn't really work out unless I was dead if you know what I mean yeah 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 um so that's it's really interesting it's really interesting to hear you say that yeah. good I'm glad that you've made that reflection and that going forward in your fitness journey you've identified the difference between something that's really taxing on your body but also highlights certain things like mental endurance and commitment and mm. Um, finishing races like that it is quite inspiring I think with endurance endurance is always going to tire you out always it, you know if you've done 100k on the bike and it's really hot or you've done you know pounding the pavements for 30k it's always going to tire you out but the way you combat that is through sleep through good nutrition through hydration and whilst I was doing a lot of exercise for many many years um, in that capacity I didn't quite get all those elements right. So, and I feel so much, I probably don't look as fit now, and I, and I know I don't, but I feel so much healthier. What are you talking now? about? You look gorgeous. <laughs> look at you. <laughs> okay. Oh. So do you think that exercise makes us happier? 100% yes. The moment that I stepped into that group fitness space, way back then, 
I just saw such a change in my mental well-being. I saw such a change, not only aesthetically in my, you know, physical appearance. That was a byproduct of what I was doing. But the endorphins I was releasing, um, I was clinically depressed at that stage. And a couple of months later, um, I was easily off, off the antidepressants that I was on. And that was just that was just because I was integrating fitness and a healthy and nutritional life. It was, it was integrated into my lifestyle. And that is what made the change. Okay. That's interesting. Okay. Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> my next question, Carla, is um, for me, I find that morning routine is really important. It's kind of been my unpredicted day. Do you have any specific routine and why do you think the power of repetition is important? That's a great question too. So at the moment in the season of life that I am living, I do a lot of international travel. So I am constantly on the road, which means routine and repetition is something that's a luxury to me. When I am home, I do my absolute best to slip back into my routine as fast as I can because I know in a couple of days' time I'm going to be packing my bag and I'm on the airplane again. So when I am home, um, sleep is a very, very big element for me and my husband. We try to get at least eight hours of sleep in a day, especially because I'm physically active and I need to, uh, my muscles need to recover. I need to give my brain and my muscle the support that it needs in order to carry out what I'm doing. When it comes to sleep, do you have any specific um, kind of, how do I phrase this? Uh, specific routines or anything that you follow when it comes to your sleep like I don't know like blackout curtains for instance or for me for me light doesn't actually bother me however my husband needs everything blacked out so I suppose I've now gotten used to sleeping in a very dark space Uh, even if there's um, like the tv light is on he needs to block that out too that little red light Um, But for me, that doesn't really bother me. Sometimes we take magnesium oil spray um, and we'll spray that behind our knees um, in the evening. That generally, I think that uh, stimulates the melatonin release in your brain. Um, And on evenings where I'm struggling with jet lag, that sometimes helps me to just ease into my sleeping patterns. However... Yeah, I think for us it's really important just to have our downtime where our lights are going down probably about 30 minutes to an hour before we close our eyes just to decrease all the stimulation. Phones are away and we're just sort of bringing the energy down for the day before we close our eyes. Yeah, interesting. They do say to get a good night's sleep that, like you were saying with your husband, get rid of all the lights, any like tiny little lights from the alarms get good blackout curtains, lower the noise in the home, Yeah, have the room to a certain temperature, they even say about 21 degrees, which I think is absolutely freezing, but (laughs) we don't have AC at home, so whatever the temperature is doing outside is happening inside, (laughs) (laughs) and that's how it is. Yeah, so so sleep is a big thing for us. Uh, When we wake up in the morning, breakfast is my biggest, well, my priority meal of the day. I love to have eggs integrated with a whole bunch of vegetables. Um, I have a piece of toast on the side. I'm not gluten intolerant. 
I'm very I'm very fortunate not to have too many intolerances. So um, yeah, it will have a I'll have a cup of coffee, um, piece of toast, and I'll have my eggs and a whole bunch of vegetables. I believe a really colorful plate has a whole bunch of nutritional value. So color on my meal plates is always a priority for me. Um, and then the day begins. So I'll be teaching a couple of classes. I see a couple of clients in the day. It's admin, it's email, it's work. Um, and then I'm training and teaching in the evening again. And then dinner again is a really big priority for us. So making making sure I set t- the time aside to cook a wholesome meal for myself and my husband is a big deal for us. Um, and that is sort of, what, yeah, that, that routine uh, is what helps just set the bo- you know set the body in in tune. I, 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 this might be a little bit I don't know graphic for for everyone listening to this, but how good do you feel if your tummy and your metal- metabolism is running once a day? We feel so healthy, but without 100%. routine, we don't have that. We become stagnant. Our bodies and our, our digestive system become stagnant, and that affects our brain. So, in order to create a really healthy flow within your mind but at the same time in your digestive digestive system it's such a priority how much water do you drink a day Mm, good question i try i try hit about two and a half liters because i'm sweating a lot during the day with all the classes i'm teaching so i just have a i try have a really big bottle of water with me all the time clock a bottle in the morning clock a bottle in the evening and then try drink throughout the day yeah thank you for that (laughs) okay so food is Kaylee, sorry. No worries. I've, I've been calling you Carly throughout. <laughs> oh, no. So sorry about that. Um, okay, Kaylee, <laughs> food is our life source. And destroy our mind. Now, we touched on very briefly that you like your plate to be very, very... Are there any top foods that you think that we should be eating to boost the brain power, um, to enable us to feel energized and to improve our memory. Balance is key. We gotta have a whole bunch of colors. I love my greens. My greens um, and my purples, great antioxidants, high in fiber. They give me the energy source that I need. So greens and purples are my big one. I love integrating English spinach into all of my foods, whether it's my scrambled eggs in the morning or my smoothies in the afternoon. Um, Blueberries, fresh berries are great after workout, a great source of sugar and carbohydrates too after a workout or before a workout. Um, Yep. But lots of color. We've got to have it all balanced. (laughs) What about processed foods? I try stay away from this. However, in the in the life we live at the moment, it's really challenging, and I think we all can agree with this, right? Time is of essence. We're we're always time short, um, but the I suppose when you have food groups that are whole, something you can pluck out the ground or you can pick off a tree is just the best. If it, the less cooked it is. The having your skin on your vegetables and your fruits has got l- a high nutritional value too, um, and just trying to stay away from sauces and tinned foods because they've, as you say, they've got all it's processed. It's got a lot of preservatives. It's got a lot of added chemicals. You want to try and keep that out of your body. My next question is all becoming fear. 
and stepping outside of your comfort zone. Now, Kate, what do you think of the concept that life begins at the end of your comfort zone? Do you have a story, a specific story that you can share with the audience about that moment that happened to you? So many. Um, however, one that really stands out to me. So, firstly, to answer your question, I think that this is inevitable in all of our lives. It's just a question of whether we are willing to take that brave step in overcoming. Because so often we stay to our comfort zone. And so often, so many people don't get to taste the beauty of what life has to offer on the other side of fear. So... An example of mine is I, I'm from Cape Town, South Africa, and I was working as a group fitness instructor specializing in pre and postnatal and a group fitness company by the name of Les Mills International. They came into South Africa and had exclusivity over one particular gym brand. And at this stage, I became, became certified. I started teaching these Les Mills classes, and I realized how passionate I was about this brand and what they stood for and the education and, and just everything that they were injecting into me, I wanted to inject into something larger than just my city. And the opportunities that the company could offer globally were massive, but how was I going to get my little foot outside of Cape Town, South Africa and make that that international step? And so... It required a lot of courage. It required a lot of ambition because every time I would sort of knock at the door, it would be sort of <laughs> slammed shut in my face. And, and every time I thought, well, there's only one of me, but there's so many of them. How on earth am I going to stand a chance of, of being seen, of being heard, of, of showing face and, and putting my footprint out there? And I just, it really took a lot of determination, a lot of passion. Um, but the more I kept putting my best foot forward, I really believe that when preparation meets opportunity, amazing things can happen. But you've got to be really determined in what makes you happy as a person and what you're passionate about. Because at the end of the day, it's what you stand for. It's your purpose that pushes you to that next step and keeps you aligned with what you're wanting to achieve in life. Thank you. I like what you said there about preparation and opportunity. Prior preparation prevents poor performance. Boom! <laughs> it's a big one, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, but I think a lot of people see where you're at. They look at your Instagram and, you know, I think this is a, a very common misconception that a lot of people have about people that are successful. They think it's just a matter of Social media always broadcasts the glamorous and the lovely parts of what we do, but you often don't see the hours and hours of sacrifice and commitment that you've put in behind the scenes and for years before you got a platform to showcase what you're finally able to produce as a byproduct. Um, and a lot of us can relate to this. You're not going to whip out your phone at 2 a.m. in the morning when you're, you are so mentally exhausted from putting in the hours that you're emotionally drained, you're crying, you're just hanging on your partner for support and you, you, you're not sure why you're still doing what you're doing. But at the same time, we have those little golden nuggets in life that help refocus us and realign us. And once we're able to pull back 
um, I always say if if you're mentally in a place where you're unhappy, something of those ele- one of those elements are out. They're disjointed. You're either not getting enough sleep, your nutrition is out, your routine is out. You gotta you gotta take a few steps back, have a look, identify what's out, recorrect it, and that's when you can continue putting you know putting your best foot forward. But unless you your cup is full, how can you how can you give back into life? You know. Yeah, I liked what you said then about imbalances um you know because life is about living holistically it's not just about doing exercise and not eating you know it's about doing all of these things together um not crazily but just consistently every day doing your meditation doing your exercise connecting with nature breathing but sometimes that can be so challenging because a lot of us have um, an obsessive dis- uh, an obsessive uh, disorder, I don't want to say that, but so many of us become so passionate and so focused on what we're trying to achieve that everything else is a blur. And you only have so many hours in a day to achieve what you're wanting to do. So sitting down for two minutes to do mindful meditation or mindful breathing, that's not going to be a priority, you know? But... Once we hit rock bottom, we realize how important it is to integrate that. But until you've hit rock bottom, you don't realize how important it is to bring it back in. 100%. Yeah, that's a really good segue, actually, into my next question. Because um, the next theme that I wanted to focus on was rock bottom. And one of my favorite quotes came from the saying, if you want some sunshine you have to weather the storm um so the truth is that there isn't anything that can be permanent in reaching rock bottom until you've actually been there until i'd actually been there i didn't really understand this concept um but it in many ways it's a very positive place um, it's a very positive place to 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 rise rise up from and I do think that we need to have a struggle within our lives to learn from us, to learn from and our problems are in fact the building blocks of our happiness. Do you have any specific rock bottom moments that have happened in your life that you would care to share with us today? And if so, what did you learn during those moments? And um, how did you manage to get out of that situation? Life was never promised to be easy, was it? So a very big, a very big uh, character-building moment for me uh, when I was 19 years old is my father died, and it was very unexpected. So this this was a very, very humbling experience, uh, and I had to, yeah, I was I was thrown under the rug. I was I. I this is where fitness helped refocus me as a person. When my father passed away, um, there's so many different seasons of mourning that you go through, and through each of those, through each of those phases or stages, you see life, you see yourself, you see people around you in a very different way, different perspectives. You go through a lot of different emotions. You have to process and unpack all of these feelings that are eating into your body and you have no idea what they mean you don't know how to work through them it's all just a whole new world however 
it's part of who you are now and you need to make the decision to either let it eat into your body or to let it be something that's going to change you for the better. And when this happened, uh, when I was 19 years old, I realized I still had a very, very long life to live and I was going to need to make some really big decisions in order to have myself walk on the other side of that tunnel and to see the rainbow when I, when I stepped through weathering that storm and I saw the sunshine. Um, I had, you know, there's no way of, of rushing mourning a loved one. And many years later, and I think everyone, I think what I'm trying to say is everyone has a different experience when losing a loved one. But what I've realized in this process is that you never miss the person any less. You just get better at coping as time goes on. Um, and through that, I, through that humbling process, I've just been able to really, I guess, listen when people are speaking rather than just hearing and speaking with your own, I wouldn't want to say selfish desire of getting your message across, but sometimes when you've been in a space where you're just not heard, you realize how important that is in life. There's so many other things that losing my father have t has taught me. Um, but but just yeah, I guess being humbled in that in that regard has has made me slow down life a little. I can relate to that because I lost my grandfather. I think it was I didn't experience loss until quite later on in life. You experienced it nineteen. I experienced it when I was in my forties, and I always knew that the day my granddad died that I would be absolutely heartbroken. But one thing that it did teach me was empathy. Like, you know, and I've never quite, you know, when people used to say to me that they saw my dad, and, and I'd, I'd go through the motions, and sometimes saw it, understood it. And since, I think when you leave, I get quite emotional talking. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. No, I'm not. These I'm things are inevitable in life, right? But nothing prepares us. Nothing prepares us for oh, it. I thought I was going to... I nearly started crying when you started talking oh. about your dad. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I got a lump in my throat. But um, no, it was, for me, it was empathy. And it really... Um, I understood what people are going through. You know? And I never quite got that before. So, you know, I think... It becomes quite a quiet space to be in, and it teaches you how to listen to not only people's voices, but you start listening to people's souls and what's really happening underneath the cover. I don't know if that makes sense. You just learn to look at people and to hear them in a totally different way. Yeah, yeah. No, there's so many positives that I've gotten out of, you know, it sounds like a contradiction, but losing first it was my grandfather and then it was my my grandmother a few years later but when I look back so many positives have come out of it um I'm assuming your father probably died at quite a young age yeah he did he did and you know my grandparents have lived they've lived until they were like 86 they've lived a, a long life. full life yeah so really I you can't complain you know not many people 
you know, in their 40s still have their grandparents available, you know, there on hand, you know. Something so really special to cherish and to be grateful mm, for, to yeah. celebrate gratitude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're very good at these segues. <laughs> <laughs> so one of my um, next questions was actually about gratitude. Now, um, neuroscientists believe that gratitude is the key to positivity and expressing gratitude on a morning can affect our mood psychologically. Um, in fact, their findings have found that gratitude is actually linked to an antidepressant. Which brings me to ask you, how important is gratitude in your life and how do you After losing my father, I had to really set myself down and focus on the word gratitude because in order for me to get past certain hurdles that just seemed impossible to climb over, I needed to realize what other elements in my life I was grateful for and have that to anchor me. Some people will ask the question, well, how do I do that if I've never gone through trauma or I haven't lost someone or, you know, I haven't been through something traumatic in order to help me realize that? We all have our own battles, whether that's small or large. And through that, what I've learned losing my father and helping me view gratitude in a total different way is perspective always resets my focus. There is always going to be someone out there that is in a worse of situation or what they're going through is completely magnified to what you are going through. And to have that in, um, in mind definitely assists me in amplifying my gratitude and to help me take the next step forward. How do you get perspective? I'm a very visual and in-depth person. I'm always unpacking things. I'm always analyzing. And I guess for me, I'm always thinking, well, how could this situation be worse? There's many different ways it could be worse. And right now I'm going to focus on what currently is what it is and how I can step around this. And sometimes that just, yep, it helps refocus the perspective. I also choose to surround myself with people that are able to bring me back to you know ground zero and to help rationalize my thinking when sometimes emotions take your mind into irrational space. How long did it take you after the death of your father to start thinking or coming from a space of gratitude? about his life and how he'd lived his life how long did that process take you're gonna i yeah this is quite this is quite an interesting question so while he was on his deathbed in icu um, i had a total of five days with him before he passed away but he was on life support from the moment we took him to hospital so i never had an opportunity to have my last conversation with him or yeah, um, it was heart failure in short. His heart was in fibrillation and the muscles around his heart were damaged. He was an alcoholic. And by the time we had got him to the doctor, he probably about three hours later, he was put on life support and he was never brought back to consciousness 
until he died. So the five days I had with him was really lying next or sitting next to his bed, having to speak. The first few days were words of affirmation, really lifting, building him up, letting him know what life after being in this ICU room was going to be like. And then halfway through that process, I realized that if he's conscious of what I'm telling him and he knows something more than I do and he knows I'm he's going to pass away, I wouldn't want him to feel like he's disappointed me and the family. And that's when I had to shift my mindset and realize, okay, <laughs> Kaylee, you're not prepared for this, but if death is part of this situation, we got to change. Girl, You, we got to start changing how we're speaking to him and we got to make him feel that it's okay to let go. And that that very moment made me realize I needed to start speaking words of gratitude. And in that moment, let me tell you, I was off antidepressants already by this stage. And I just, by the I, my personal journey, by the grace of God, I had perspective over what was to come. And even though it was the worst challenge that was overcoming my life at that very moment, I knew that there was something bigger. And I would sit there holding his hand, whispering into his ear, and I didn't know if he could hear me or not, but I knew that the power of prayer that had already started building through massive amounts of people was creating such a positive energy out of that hospital room, and I knew it was affecting people's lives. Other than what we were experiencing in that ICU room, but what was generating outside, I had perspective over, and I knew that what was to come, and in the next couple of years, other than my what my journey is and the, and the struggle and the trauma that I've had to go through, there's so much good that comes from it. And I just knew it in that moment. It's interesting what you're talking about in terms of like the energy, you know, because it's really difficult to talk about and to, to describe because like you say, there's one thing being in a room and someone's on the deathbed, but then feeling like an energy it was. I think people thought I was crazy. I think they. Did. I think they thought I was nuts. You because can never. Nobody, I, I don't think anyone else saw it. You know, um, everyone's journey is so unique and different, and you can never expect someone to understand until and unless they have been in a similar situation, and yet still understand their experience is going to be different to yours, and just respect that their journey is different. Definitely. Um, one hundred percent. Yeah, some people just see what they want to see. Obviously, but like you say, their journey is very different. But for me, that there was definitely an, another plane, a different frequency, and there was a, a different, different frequency. I like that. Yeah, that I that I could feel that was positive. Mm -hmm. That was a really positive thing in that kind of moment of chaos and and, mm -hmm. and craziness. Um. Just moving off topic a little bit, um, but I wanted to ask you this question, because you were saying that your father was an alcoholic. Um, so I'm kind of, well, I'm making assumptions here, you know, tell me if I'm right or wrong. Um, but did you have to consolidate anger? Because I guess within, oh, you know, sure. being an alcoholic, that's self-inflicted, and it's almost like, well, you know, he's brought it on himself, you know, kind of leaving for themselves type thing it manifests in so many different dark places i fortunately at that stage had perspective 
and empathy, which are two topics we've covered over what he was going through. And I tried to take a selfless look at that rather than feeling like a victim. Although I had stages of my morning where I felt like the victim and, and why is this happening to me? And why, why, why me? Why me? Why does this happen at such a young age? Why can't I have my father take me down my wedding aisle? Why can't I have my father-daughter dance at my wedding, you know? Um, but at the same time, again, taking two steps back and saying, well, let's have perspective here. Some people are orphans by the time they get married. I had my mom. I had the most wonderful supportive family. So guess what? I'm not, it's not all that bad. Um, and then just trying to, sorry, bringing it back, is just trying to understand the, the demons and the struggles he was fighting in that moment that really helped me empathize with why he was doing what he was doing. And at the end of the day, I'll never understand because I never had that conversation with him and we all have our own demons to fight. But yeah, anger was something that I had to process through. I was angry with life. I was angry that this had happened to me at such a young age, but it also happened. So I can sit and be angry, but what, what is that going to do for me? It's just going to manifest and it's going to make me a worse off person. And I had the decision. No one else could make that decision for me. Sometimes it takes a little longer than expected, but we also have to do a full cycle until you can get out to the other side and see the rainbow. Yeah, you're very blessed that you have the awareness. To not feel victimized and to want to know and gratitude. Yeah, look, look. As I said, anger was definitely part of it, but I think I was able to ha have perspective, um, overcome that very much. So when it started creeping up, I was able to shut it down quite quite quickly. But thank you, Kaylee. Before we end this podcast, I'm going to yes. kind of like completely change the subject. <laughs> yes. I feel like change the energy. Let's, yeah. let's bring in some happy vibes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we got quite heavy there. But I just, I'd like to talk a little bit more about your area of specialism and what and how did you get, because you specialize in prenatal. Yes, that's correct. Pre and postnatal women. How did you get into that? Uh, when I was... So when I when I started studying, decided I wanted to be a part of the group fitness space, I've always just had a very strong passion to work with pregnant women. I, gra I gravitate towards that area. I don't know if it's a calling or a talent of mine, but it's just always been an interest of mine. So that is the space I chose to get involved in. And I specialized in pre and postnatal fitness training for the first eight years of my career. Things have shifted since then, but that I still have a very, very big burning passion for that. That will always be the start of where my career kicked off. And I really look forward to going through my own pregnancy, God willing, one day. And to be able to come through on the other side, um, having done a full circle, you know. I understand so much about it and how to train my clients through it. But I haven't done it myself, so I'm quite interested to see where that's going to go. <laughs> Thank you. I'd like to touch on is whilst you've not mentioned it directly, um, you have indirectly mentioned your faith. You're yes, a Christian, yeah. yeah? yeah. This is, uh, well, this has always been 
quite a grounding block for me. I was raised raised within a Christian family, but my parents were also also went through seasons of their life where they would be the ones dropping me off at Sunday school and then go home after that. And so I had quite a lot of independence within myself and learned how to make my own decisions from quite a young age, whether this was a space I wanted to be a part of or not. Um, and I think because growing up with alcoholism in the, in my, my father was always a functioning alco- alcoholic, so I never knew the difference between what, what being drunk or not was. But I also knew that there was a lot of anger and strife and just a lot of negative energy in the home. And I needed something to anchor myself and my mental well-being from a young age. And the word and God and just my faith, that was able to anchor me. Then when I met my husband at the age of 16, or we started, we met when we were 11 years old actually, but when we started dating at 16, he then really helped me understand the theoretical side of the of of the bible and this for my personal journey has really just anchored my life principles and also within our marriage you know it's not always about who is right but what is right and these principles is is how we approach our everyday life through you know feeding through kindness and love and forgiveness um to people and to all the people that we project our energy on um so just I, I guess those principles is what grounds my faith and what anchors me as a person. That's Thanks amazing. for asking that. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you for answering. Um, and just thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. On that note, um, I'll bring the podcast to an end. Um, I've really enjoyed speaking to you. Thank you for coming down Zoe, to the it's been Hotel great. Today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on your podcast. And I wish you all the best and success for your book going forward. I'm really looking forward to seeing the outcome of what is, what's to lie ahead in your journey. Thank you so much. And thank you again to the Rove Hotel in Dubai Marina for allowing us to use this amazing venue here today. Um, I really appreciate it. Thank you.